I see the crystal raindrops fall And the beauty of it all Is when the sun comes shining through Good evening, folks. He's the host that not only does he play Bill Withers when I need to hear it most, but I wish I could just cuddle up in his beautiful mane slash beard combo. Those are the real two of us. Your host, Dale underscore A, your paper keg program, episode 235. Uh, my co-host for the evening, the indomitable Jonesy Loves Beer, serving as my co-chair tonight, my co-pilot. We're going to steer us right into uh, the end of the show, like it or not. We got a different vibe of an episode coming at you tonight. We're going to wash up on the shores of your mind and ears like a long-lost love letter stuck in a rolling rock bottle and taped shut. You don't really even like rolling rock, but you know that note has something special on it, and it's for you, and it's a paper keg episode. And there's number 33 painted on the back of it. Hmm. I believe when... uh, I think when Coors purchased them, they stopped doing the painted bottles. And they started doing the paper. Man. That was a bag. That was one of my nice. first uh, beers I started to try. That, you know, uh, the pride of old Latrobe, as I call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rolling Rock itself, not a fabulous beer uh, compared to the much extensive beer market but it was my father's beer oh okay. so big sentimentality we we had two dogs growing up uh rocky and roxy and they were named as such because they were both called rolling rock one and rolling rock two <laughs> that was the extent of my father's naming prowess for dogs <laughs> the sentimental value he has attached to those poor dogs yeah you're so, rolling rock one you're rolling rock two. <laughs> That's uh, uh, that's cute, yeah. So uh, you know, I was when I first went into the bar and s- sidled up to it, determined to start drinking beer. Rolling Rock is w- it was my go-to. Anyway, it's still a great beer. I used to get cases of pony bottles mm-hmm. and see if I could drink them all in one sitting. <laughs> Spoilers: I could. wasn't a great idea, but I could do it. So charming, though the pony bottles. I mean, how could you not drink? Less than a case. They're so cute. They're like the, uh, it's like when you have a horse and you have like the midget horse. You know what I mean? Right. It's (laughs) like the little pony bottle. Anyway, this is your uh, Paper Keg podcast this week. Uh, You may notice that for one, I am uh, hosting the show, which is guaranteed to be a train wreck right off the bat. But uh, number two, our, uh, you know, co-founding member the the uh, the rock of paper kegs gibraltar one slim is not here this week he is uh overseas uh uh working the uh, the comic book convention in paris france Angoulême is the name of the show and uh slim we are hoping you are having a great time over there who knows what time it is over there he's probably up Eating a croissant for breakfast before heading into Cra- the. He's uh, probably con. having a crepe with some kind of maple syrup. Right, maple situation. syrups huge in in Paris, France. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, you probably, you guys probably didn't know he went to France because he was so subtle about it. 
Uh, I don't think he even really let anybody know until he touched ground over there. I mean, it definitely wasn't taking over every timeline and every social media thing that you own. Definitely not. The opposite of that, in fact. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not Slim's style, you know. He's just more like slides it in and, oh, yeah, this is what I've been. This is where I have been. You know, if I had to guess, I thought we wouldn't have figured it out until he got back and then just had like a, a very subtle flicker link. Like, here's my album, bro. Right. Yeah, yeah. I've tweeted as much as I always do and you didn't know the difference. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. So in true fashion, paper keg fashion without Slim here, these, this audio right now is not being recorded. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, come one thirty in the morning when Jonesy and I record the real podcast, that will uh, be an eighth of what this will be. Yeah, uh, I we, can't wait for you guys to hear it. In the in the future, Jonesy and Dale, looking back now, this was a, like a 50-minute sweet spot episode mm-hmm. where we hit on all cylinders. We had some great uh, you know, remarks, but we had some like weird anecdotes. We made the funniest thing possible, and then uh, I forgot to record or, or right. some such. And I forgot to check. On it because you know I sh- as as sort of the uh, the flagstaff member I should kind of be like the showrunner of the night at least if if not every every week because I am you know VP of a lot of things. You do you you do carry a lot of VP titles. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the board the paper cake board is just slim as uh, you know CEO and then Dale is like finance he's tech. You know, he's marketing, he's PR, he's the chief creative officer, and I'm yeah. like that guy that like had, like does the steno, the stenographer. I'm just in there by coincidence. You know, I thought I was in for a different meeting, but I just happened to be here, so I might as well just do some shorthand. Like, yeah, yeah. Notes. Until we uh, fix the glitch, you're just here with us, Jonesy. Now, we don't like confrontation. You see, what we did is we just fixed the glitch. It should work itself out. (laughs) So uh, with Slim gone and Slim more than happy to not have to read for the next two weeks, I mean, he's going to be doing a ton of other stuff anyway. And uh, But I took uh, full advantage. I, I, I must say, totally selfish for doing the book club this week because I needed it in me. And the uh, the ninth issue of it just recently came out, and that was the uh, the Marvel Comics uh, line changing Secret Wars, Jonathan Hickman, Isad Ribic, and I had chosen since it came out, I had not read one one issue of it because I wanted to read it all together, and it was kind of like a kind of like a breaking point for me it was the summer you know everybody was going to be going their separate ways for the summer so me and marvel were kind of going to do the same thing green day's time of your life was playing in the background as you were just packing (laughs) comics away yeah and it was going to be a time where i wouldn't go overboard and if i wasn't going to go overboard i wasn't going to do anything because everything uh, that tied into the Secret Wars title this summer and fall and winter because it's been so long appealed to me. Like it all looked great to me and I couldn't, I just couldn't, if I bought one, I wouldn't stop there. And with every issue being $5 and, you know, sprawling out from there, I couldn't 
choose just a couple. So I said, you know what? I'm I'm going clean and sober, not chasing the Marvel Dragon. But uh, since the ninth issue of the the main event title was just released recently, I said, let me go in and figure out what exactly is happening to uh, my Marvel U and you know, kind of kind of make some sense of it because I I normally I Jonesy I wouldn't care about reading the event. I would just read what came after it, but I was super interested in reading what was going on and where I would go from here. Tune in later to see if it was all worth it. Um yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're getting right into the book club, but I'll as a side and a side, if you will. Uh I have been totally off monthly books just because of cost. You know, I uh I read when I did read, I read a lot, and then you you, know, you realize you're spending sixty, seventy bucks on comic books every week. You know, and those uh those almost three hundred bones. <clears throat> I guess it was almost three hundred bones could be well spent elsewhere. You know, kids, food, kids, yeah, light. You know what I mean? Electric, it's light, an electric, electric. Bill right mm-hmm. there. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, and I used to hear this thing that they were holding the line at two ninety nine, but they seem to have abandoned that campaign rather quickly. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I did want to see Secret Wars because I'd hear I had heard a whole bunch of things, and I'm kind of a sucker for the type of book Secret Wars is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'll get it. I, are we getting into it? I mean, we've we're just well, vibing. Yeah, we're vibing, but you know, you could you could uh, segue that into the um, you yeah. know. Let's segue it. Let's let's. I wish Isad Ribic could just paint me a wonderful segue that I would be using right now to give you the synopsis mm-hmm. of one Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars. <clears throat> now you you you're gonna say, uh, Jonesy, how can you give me a synopsis of a comic book that's essentially entirely text? But I'm going to try anyway and paint you a picture. Uh, you know, Marvel in the Marvel U, uh, there was a multiverse, and a certain crisis-like event causes the multiverse to collapse until only the six one six and the Ultimate Universe are left. Uh, so you know, like Marvel sixteen oh two was gone and. You know, the universe that was X-Men Adventures is gone and all this kind of stuff. So, Ultimates, the Ultimate Universe and the Marvel U are aware of each other. Because in every reality, Reed Richards is some, like, mind-bendingly genius type character that is just omniscient and omnipresent. And so the two Reeds know about each other. And they, they're trying to figure out how to, uh, the bad Reed, which I vaguely recall that Reed Richards is the most evil person at the Ultimate Universe. And yeah, I believe so. And he's like 3,000 years old. I mean, he is something else over there. Yeah, he's nowhere near the just the kind of plucky genius Reed Richards from the Marvel U. So, you know, the bad Reed, I'm just going to call him bad Reed and good Reed for the sake of my own tug tongue tug time and um so bad read is like this is how i'm going to kill the marvel U and make it okay for my universe to exist and the good read is like 
There's no way we can save everybody. I'm going to build this life raft so we can restart uh, life in whatever comes after this event. <clears throat> so, uh, essentially, there's one last conflict. Uh, Marvel U versus Ultimate Universe. It's all for naught anyway because everything kind of collapses on itself. Uh, and then we flash, you know, everything goes white. And we wake up, you know, as an audience on this planet called Battle World. And what it is essentially is Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange, kind of the two, and I can't fact check, but what I assume are the two most mystical, powerful humans on Earth and somehow able to protect themselves against this event, kind of use the Molecule Man who is a, a an important Marvel character all of a sudden. I'm, to, uh, I'm <laughs> just assuming he appeared in Hickman's Avengers at some point and has been uh, like, you know, alpha <laughs> for the past couple years. I guess. Right. I don't know. Like the, the Captain Universe character we all should have known for a thousand years <laughs> who's, uh, you know, omnipotent. So Doctor Doom and Doctor Strange... Uh, decide to, using Molecule Man as a conduit, rebuild the Earth from memory, essentially. What they can remember, all the different pieces. It's like trying to fit a puzzle back together of what they can remember. And some of it's Ultimate Universe, and some of it's the Marvel U. Right, because what this, what this battle world is is a composition of... Marvel 616 and Ultimate Universe and physically like pieced like the two have been smashed together and uh, you know the surface area is literally pieces of each world. Yeah. So think of it like not to use a lot of DC-isms but think about Crisis on the Infinite er er Earths but the remaining would be like all the bottled cities of Kandor like stacked next to each other, and you would have Battle World, maybe. So, and in in what I said earlier, what I like this kind of story is like I loved an old man Logan where we get this what if the villains won world, and I I'm a huge fan of like Marvel what if. So this was like the big Mac Daddy Marvel what if, you know. Uh, the Hulks had their own kingdom, which is kind of Hulk, uh, Planet Hulk is like this part of it. And um, instead of having a, an Asgard, Doctor Doom made like a million Mjolnirs and a million Thor-ish types who are like his police. You know, think about the Thor core back in the day, but mm-hmm. instead there's like, a hundred of them, and they're all cops, beat cops. Mm-hmm. You know, have there are these kind of like ultimate powerful beings that are just kind of like up, uphold the will of God Doom. Yeah, he's pretty open about calling himself a deity. You know, in true Doctor Doom fashion, he's kind of a J bag, but he's also the god of Battle World. And uh, there's just great political stuff where like everybody's kind of against Doom. People are trying to lead you know, against Doom to kind of take the world back. And in the midst of this new world, I feel like this has been going on forever, this uh, explanation. <laughs> uh, but the, um, the the life raft shows up, 
but also its inverse shows up. So the good life raft and the bad life raft yeah. make themselves known. Uh, and let me see if I can wrap this up. They, go ahead. You, no, it's nobody in, on Battle World, but yes. Doom and Strange remember the right. old worlds. But these new, these old characters who have been safe from the bubble inside the life raft, right? And they are the both the Cabal and the Illuminati, which, if you remember from Bendis's original run, the Illuminati was like Professor X. And uh, it's, I guess it's not quite, listen, in, in non-paper cake fashion, I'm going to let Dale, I'm going to pass the baton from my fumbling hands <laughs> of summarizing to Dale to wrap this up. This is a different kind of episode. Right. We're different going vibes. off script. You know, I, you know, I might fire up a cigar. Who knows? This might just be a relaxing mm-hmm. chat. Absolutely. Dale, save me. Yeah. I'm pulling my parachute cord <laughs> here. So the, so in, uh, Battle World timeline. Uh, it takes Doom and Strange a couple years to uh, kind of fashion uh, some order and semblance into this world, and that means he certainly uh, using his god powers to uh, build walls and to segregate and to create uh, fiefdoms with uh, certain people in charge with barons. Great, great word, by the way. Thank you, and uh, and. Like I said, this is all years, but the life rafts themselves, it's been mere hours. It's been an hour or or uh, slightly longer. And uh, these life rafts are uncovered, basically, uh, uh, in archaeological digs. And uh, one of the Thors opens the cabal or the ultimate life raft up, and it's been an hour for them inside the ship, but it's been years on the outsides, and nobody remembers who these people are or what they are. And the same with uh, Stephen Strange has been hiding away the 616 life raft in kind of his, uh, uh, the Eye of Agamotto land of Battle World. Which is now an island, not Which just is, a necklace. Right, it's not a necklace, uh, you know, in a house in uh, in New York. It's an entire land in this world and uh, Stephen Strange remembers who these people are and uh, I mean it is what it is the world is what it is that can't be helped but uh, Reed Richards et al uh, don't like what Doom has done and the Cabal are just there for their own nefarious purposes and to take over and this is where you get um and the Secret Wars main title, not even counting the tie-ins. Right. So, well, let me take the baton back in this relay race of trying to put it's, a stamp it's on. A big, it's a huge undertaking. This it's book. well, Jonathan Hickman probably wrote forty thousand words in these nine issues. So you know, humble, humble brag. I mean, Brevoort would be the one to ask on his anonym, on his Tumblr. Uh, but he would tell anonymous you anonymous Tumblr. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So essentially, it comes down to the two reeds again, uh, using their brain powers, and you know, of course, they build a machine to track the the epicenter of Doom's power. And surprise, it's not Doom himself; it's Molecule Man, who kind of like funnels his power through Doom. Uh, 
and Bad Reed is like, ha ha ha, uh, I've come here to kill you, uh, Good Reed, and remake the entire universe of my image. Shocker, he's it's a double, uh, what do you call it, a double cross. <clears throat> so Good Reed wins, and he's like, the only way really to set this right is to remake the Marvel Universe. So, Reed, Sue, Franklin, and daughter, Valeria, Valeria, uh, are going to set out to remake the multiverse with Reed Richards as the brainchild, Sue as the heart, Franklin as the architect, and Valeria as kind of like the... You don't remember know. at this point. I you guess don't, I don't it's know. Been, it's, it's been days since you read it. You don't remember. Well, it, it took me days to read, which was <laughs> the for me insane. So the the book ends. There are definite tweaks. Did it? We, so like Miles Morales is Spider Man, but Peter Parker is also Spider Man, and they kind of swing off in the sunset doing some training together. And the, you know, there's many things like this. Like I think. Uh, Professor X may be alive now after the end of Secret Wars. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Someone probably is calling me an idiot in their car mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and Dr. Doom is kind of like not remembering what's going on, but then he like walks out into the sunset and takes off his mask and his face is healed for the first time in Marvel history. And it's, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. a, a universe set right by as Reed Richards could imagine it, and uh, now, yeah, all right, let's get to the uh, the sticky sticky tape, double sided tape. Let's get into the weeds of this thing. Did Jonesy? What did you think of the book? Who, classic Jonesy sigh right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I thought it was bloated, extremely bloated. Nine issues was way too long to tell the story. Uh, it it harkened back to what I thought the theory of Flashpoint was, was that the Flash had to build the DCU from memory, and that's why it wasn't right, uh, which is a concept I loved in Flashpoint, uh, which I guess didn't really land. And that concept is realized here in Secret Wars. Uh, I love the fact that I was getting a Marvel What If, but... I, and I apologize to all the Hickmaniacs. I'm not sure Hickman was the right one to tap to write this event. Hmm. That's probably a very wow. unpopular opinion. Now, on the in a very in an interesting turn of events, Jonesy, I loved it. I adored this book, and I thought. Uh, I was very apprehensive going in. I mean, I look, I love all comic creators. I love them. Some I read, some, you know, I have trouble reading. I thought this was, and I was, in the first issue or two, I was very nervous. But by the end, this made more sense to me in a, 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 as far as a Hickman book goes than any other Hickman property that I've tried to read other than maybe the Fantastic Four run we did for Paper Keg way well, back when. <clears throat> two points. The first page, I groaned because, like, you open issue one, you get the little, you know, tickler, 
and then you go to the first page, and there's literally 90 word bubbles on page one. <laughs> and I literally was like, F that. I closed my iPad. I was like, you need to be in a different frame of mind than right now, because you're going to hate it based right. on that first page. And two, I it kind of, and this might be an unfair comparison, but the whole time it reminded me a lot of Lost in which the f- the fun is asking all these questions you know like oh why is uh you know why is this person or why is kitty pride some kind of bad a dominatrix who has her own providence like what is uh what how did she get there these are great questions but then at the end i don't think enough of them were answered and i thought Maybe the entire premise of the book was just to bring Miles Morales into the Marvel U. Now, to your point, you you have Drink. you may have a point as far as what you just said about the Miles Morales thing. But and what did you what else did you say? I can't remember. I, oh, I just said the, the uh, very losty and very uh, now, Daniel Lindelof vibe. What you said about not enough was brought to the main event. I felt I, I I pushed it aside, but I did feel that because it, as far as I knew, all the Secret Wars tie-ins were all what if books in my mind and my heart. But as reading these nine issues, there has to be like some canonical Secret Wars tie-ins that tell the rest or the beginning of the stories that were brought into focus here. Yeah, I, for better or worse. I mean, I I liked it. I would have liked to uh, see more of that story, but then you would have had a a, a fifteen or sixteen issue event at that point. Back to circling back to my comment about Hickmania not being the right person. I feel like when we read Civil War and House of M, and House of M being a Bendy book, that I read House of M and I got a story, a very linear, connected. Uh, tons of connective tissue story. And I felt like Hickmania was much like Reed Richards at the end of this book. He would brainstorm a world and then shoot it out into the wilderness for you to go and discover instead of giving me a story that started one way and ended another. Mm -hmm. And while he did that, there wasn't enough connective tissue, I thought, to give me what I was craving, which was like, give me one solid story like i felt like the thors could have been their own 12 issue maxi series explaining how the hammers came to be and you know what why was odin thor why was another guy also thor like where did it come from but i I felt i just i didn't get i think that's just sets up like the more like the wondrous nature of comic books and world building to begin with and like oh my god there are there the thors are a police force in this world like that just makes your mind wander and there is a three issue miniseries of the thors but it's but it might not even get into that i don't know but it's just like i thought that kind of stuff was just great like well, what if world building it made my mind wonder and the entire time I'm th- I'm I'm reading this book I think about like I'm going to get a little Bill Nye here on you but if you think of a ceiling fan or like uh you if you're like spinning your kid around or or something of that nature like 
the center of the fan is moving a lot slower than the outer edges of the fan blades, right? Like to keep up the outer edges of the fan blades have to so I think like I'm thinking of the Secret Wars main event as the center of the fan and it's just like I can't help but think about all the tie-ins that I was so afraid to get into because of my you know because financially I just couldn't do it but I I can't believe how like how much there is out there spinning out of this crazy book that just made me like want to know more way more about something that's called battle world which sounds like something from uh like a free-to-play marvel puzzle quest game i i'm gonna use your piggyback on your imagery there uh i also find the oscillation of the found fan fascinating as i'm a huge uh, like i said lover of what if universes I'm a sucker, like I said, for Old Man Logan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like this series is the oscillating center of that ceiling fan going slow, but without the guiding light of the attached room light on there. You know what I mean? Like, it serves well as the mechanism, certainly, without a doubt. But so you don't feel like you got any story in the nine issues? I, I feel like I got nine separate stories that sort of got to the point at the ver- at the eleventh hour. Does that make sense? So, like when things were the most climactic, it finally started to try to get together. I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, things certainly didn't start uh, fixing themselves until maybe eight or nine. I suppose. Like I, I, say, I see your point. I definitely see your point. Even if this were in seven issues. And some of the fat was left for the tie-in books. I feel it would have been much more concise. But, I, you know, there just wasn't enough beats that kept building in the right direction till that's, the end. It, it's like... That's interesting. I thought... I, I mean, I got... An, the, the beats that I did get out of it, I thought, was just fantastic. Like, how Valeria was just on to uh, Doom... She's like started snowballing more and more into like something's not right, but Valeria is so like genius and detached from like human feeling because of her her intelligence. She's not like I I thought it was fantastic how she's just like, uh oh, uh, you know, Doom did something here, but she's not like connecting it like, like we've been wronged and. And Susan is my mom, and I should tell her because of love. Like it, like that was a big thing for me. And the just Doom, I loved Doom, God Doom. Like I just uh, love how never one sense did, second did he let down his guard. He is God Doom, and everybody refers to him that. And if not, like the the pacing was so that uh, when Corny Baron Sinister. Is Ugh, like uh, worst part of that series, by yeah, the way. yeah. Corny Baron Sinister is like having a run in with the uh, the Captain Britain Baron boys, and Doom like doesn't say anything for like an issue and a half, and then he finally speaks up. That that like set the pacing for like white robed, white clothed Doom. I I mean I th- I thought his I thought the pacing was for the main storylines was enough and then like 
you got bits and pieces of the tie-in action, like Namor and Black Panther wrangling the zombie universe to fight, or um, like the uh, Star-Lord stuff, uh, fly, flying the rescue ship. I mean, what about like when uh, somebody like defiled God, God Doom's throne by sitting in his chair and it just turned into big B.A. Groot, man. I was just like, I, I started high-fiving the air when that throne turned into Groot. Well, there, uh, there was very, a cinema, like the book turned very cinematic around the end of issue seven because that's when the dominoes, like we were in the last row of dominoes and they're all fallen and all of these epic characters are pulling out all their stops. It's like in the moment in an action movie where everybody's saying their catchphrase. I mean, that stuff was mm-hmm. great. And I, I agree with you. Dr. Doom is the best part of this book. His like penchant for being having his head so far up his own A, <laughs> but also kind of like being very charming about it was incredible. And Hickman can write in his voice very well. I also thought the dichotomy between uh, Valeria and... Uh, Stephen Strange is kind of like this uh, woman of science, man of faith, and somehow trying to make a bridge between each other to to run this world for Doom was really great, and that and that's probably explored somewhere mm-hmm. in some six issue mini off that I'll never get in this book. But I I thought you know there are a lot of great things in these nine issues, a lot of great nuggets. That could like I could read a Valeria Richards, uh, Doctor Strange, uh, move to L.A. and solve crimes. You know what I mean? As the new Mulder and Scully of the uh, <laughs> the Marvel, I could read that book. I would I would love that book. So I mean, Hickman people have Hickmania for a reason. Like what about? Oh my God! When you come to find out, Thing has been in the picture the entire time, but God Doom convinced him that if he wanted to really serve the new world order he needs to become part of the shield which is just the great wall of china around the southern hemisphere yeah. of the world <laughs> he is a portion of a wall and he sits there and that's what he does until he figures out that he's been wronged and convinced otherwise and he just stands up and yeah. starts marching towards Dumstadt. dr uh Dr. Doom's uh, way of getting rid of the Fantastic Four because they frighten him is pretty great. Like, he just makes Sue Richards his lover, uh, as he's always wanted. Uh, Johnny Storm kind of picks a fight with him, so he just makes him the sun. Right. He just makes him the torch all the time and throws him in the sky. (laughs) And so Johnny Storm has been there for, is it eight years? I think his Battle World's been in existence. So for... Seven and a half, he's been the sun, just forced to stay there and shed light on the planet. Mm. Dr. Doom convinces the thing to pretty much put his arms around Battleworld to protect it. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Seriously, this is the best way you could help. Just to... Because his fear of uh, the Fantastic Four is a prevalent part of this book. Like, even though it's about the the whole Marvel U... Kind of like the, the the beams that support the center stage of this book is the fact that the Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom are arch enemies. And you know what? Like, I couldn't get out of my head the more and more I realized 
and it and it breaks my heart just talking about it is it's a fantastic four story and moving forward the fantastic four basically doesn't exist as far as marvel sales go like yeah. there's no book with there's the core no, members there's no book with the core members i mean sue and richard at the very least aren't going to be they're going to be around but i i just read i think it was on polygon or something random like that but they're just not the the members of the uh, the fantastic four and maybe doom they're just not and it could be bad blood because of the movie and marvel and whatnot but it just broke my heart because this was such a fantastic story when like the last issue when doom is like it's so powerful he's just like say it i want to hear you say it reed you think you could have done a better job than me at this and reed's just like you know what yes that is what i think like that was epic because in their in their in their own way they're both have like this uh stuck upness about themselves like even reed just thinks he can do it better than everybody in his own way he's well, just he, nicer he, about he kind it. of can yeah know? yeah but it, i mean it's just like it was awesome to it's like doom is in his face is like just admit it i want to hear you admit it you just think you can do a better job at this than me and and reed's like you know what that's it you're right that's what i thought yeah it's like holy crap if this book had just been about Doom versus Reed Richards and finally settling their beef, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there there are so many intertwined stories that I thought could be fleshed out in their own worlds. Like it, it's, it, and and I guess that's why it, it threw for such a loop that I felt like I was very thirsty, but no matter how many how much I drank this book in, I couldn't quench my thirst. Mm. Maybe that's the best way. It's it's not like I dislike the taste. Mm-hmm. It's not like I didn't like the texture. It's not like I didn't think I got enough to drink. It's just that when I was finished, uh, I was still thirsty, and, but not in a good way. I just wasn't quenched. Hmm. Maybe that's the best analogy that I can come up with. All right, you needed something more. Uh, you needed a better energy drink. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe a blue monster instead of a green one. You know, maybe sure. that's. Or a Henshin lemon energy soda. Oh, yeah. As, as an aside, uh, before we wrap it up, I wrote a newsletter last week uh, because I read that, uh, which I don't know if this is releasing before or after the roundtable, but I read Boom Studios Power Rangers number zero based on our childhood nostalgic 1991, I guess it was, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And so... Uh, I really love that common writer graphic novel that I got off of Comixology like three or four years ago. So I, I was like, oh, let me Google, let me Google it and see if it's easy to get into. Uh, spoilers, it's not. Uh, <laughs> but the current, I guess it's much like it is here. Power Rangers is, is new every year, from what Slim was getting me to believe. So it's new every year over there. And by over there, I mean Japan. I'm not being myopic. So this current year of uh, Cayman Rider is they're all fruit. So I I discovered this video of, I guess, of them showcasing all the characters. And (laughs) And how they transform. Yeah, they transform. They say, say, and like one's a grape and one's a cherry. And so this is like a kid's show 
where a guy puts on a belt and it looks like a, a knife cutting up the fruit. On the belt. Yeah, the belt buckle. Yeah. And he slices the fruit and he becomes armored. In the fr- I'm not making this up. Show writer uh, did not brainstorm this on his own. <laughs> So like I th- the third or fourth guy is, is like a uh, an avocado, so the avocado comes out of the sky with a zipper, conks the guy on the head, and then falls into armor. I don't know if I'm describing it's the strangest thing. It is, and I, I brought it up. I should have because it it causes us to derail the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, now a second time. And record way late because we both watched the video to the yeah. end because we were mesmerized by it. Uh, as that aside, I found I was very quenched. I I loved uh, the ending to the book. I love the book itself, and I'm excited to uh, read along with the Marvel comics so that I can you know afford to keep reading moving forward. There's some great titles out there. And uh, you know, it's just it's it's just the stories are good. You don't like you don't have to be affected by the fact that maybe your Marvel universe is not the same. I know a few folks out there personally who would be uh, severely affected if they knew the reason uh, or if they knew what was coming out of Secret Wars, just because it would hurt their uh, their nostalgia or what they think the Marvel universe should be. And it's not like that at all. This is this is. The nature of the beast and the price of doing business, and you just got to enjoy what comes out of it. The fruits, the fruits of Hickman's labor, the henshin fruit, the henshin fruit, cutting you know, cutting up his fruit on his sword belt. Yeah, uh, I do think I was impressed that this was not a move to get close to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I thought it was going to be at the beginning. I was ready to write As Marvel off, like yeah. you just want to get to. To promote your movies, and this is you're pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. No, it's a totally different. They can't possibly get close to that. Uh, I think the only thing that's going to come out of this that's even close is Steve Rogers will be Captain America soon ish, you know, to coincide for Civil War. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Civil War 2 is coming up, which should be good. Oh, yeah. Whoo-hoo. So, did I have another point? I don't know. I. I it, not liking it is too too much of a generality. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I I don't think I loved it. I don't think I hated it. Right. I'm going to mark Farron to you right now, and I and I thought it was okay. And rest but in I peace, definitely uh, long former friend of the uh, show, former co-host. Rest I'm peace, sorry Mark. for uh, for the first few years of the show. Rest in peace, Mark. Uh, but I definitely I had some gripes. He's not which dead. were which are obvious. Slim would make you think otherwise, but I'm going to tell you now. He's it's not dead. We just, we just say rest in peace. Slim is a stone-cold convincer. Yes. So, but no, I, despite my major gripes with it, which I illustrated, I thought, I mean, I, I didn't regret reading it, you know? That's good, because uh, it was a read. It was a cram session. To it get was this a in. cram session. Dale started uh, actually just two hours ago. <laughs> Right, so I read the first three issues, essentially. It took me two hours. That's why he thinks it's so short and it's so fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this is the uh, portion of the show where, uh, boop, 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 I pull up the letter sounder, but uh, we've got your letters. Dale and I are going to open them up, and Dale and I are going to read them to you. Doom, doom.
dun, 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 dun. Uh, letters of paper keg. Uh, send us your letters, and we will read them on the era. Tick 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 tick. Our first. I'll get the first one. You do it. Different vibe. We're vibing right now. You just vibe right on to that letter. Uh, our first letter comes from at very exciting on the Twitter. He's a uh, he's a good friend of the show, and we love him for it. And he recently bought a, an under the desk while you're sitting elliptical, and he's been telling me all about it. It's got my interest peaked for someone who sits at a desk all day and does whatever he can to uh, pull his Jabba like belly over top of the desk and rest it there while I type. I am always looking for maybe some sort of shortcut. Viva la paper keg, he writes. When I listen to other podcasts with their stupid ads that are all the same, I wonder what it might have sound like if Paper Keg did ads. What if Jonesy gave us an ad for mail order underwear? I think he's mistaking me for you, Duluth Trading. Duluth, Duluth Trading Company, just Google it. It'll take you right there. The buck naked, you can't go wrong. What if Dale found some really great, comfortable pants? What if Naminity told us about audiobooks we might enjoy with our free trial? Uh, not... The Sword of Shannara, the first, uh, the first uh, book in the uh, Shannara Chronicle uh, drama. Uh, what if Slim had some really neat, most likely wrestling-themed monthly gift box he wanted us to try? What has come of my life that all I want is for the Paper Cake Radio Syndicate to do fake commercials? Uh, thank I, you. We, sh- we should have a battery of totally 100 false commercials we could just play at a whim. Yeah, that would be great. It would be a very adult swimish of us or, or something like that. We would just we we would totally go into prime time if we had fake commercials, you know, SNL call us. Yeah. Uh our next letter comes to us from Friday the show top 5 bananas. He writes, "Hey fellas, at the time of writing this, no announcement has been made." As to who will be filling in for Slim as guest host. Uh, spoilers, no one. Mm-hmm. Whoever it is, I look forward on hearing their unrecorded opinions. <laughs> Recap by Jonesy while Dale mows <laughs> over which movie's menu will be looping when his body is discovered. Uh, uh, call back to when we lost the Scotty Young audio and Dale was ready to end <laughs> it all on the air. Uh, all jokes aside, my wife and kids have been out of town for five days. God bless you, which has allowed me to catch up on some serious reading. And I wanted to make a couple suggestions for future book clubs. Uh, first, Why the Last Man, which I think we might have done for the show. Or maybe it was the old comics podcast. Yeah, we have never done it for Paper Keg. We'll have to revisit. I would, I would love to do the entirety of it. I think it's 60 issues or something like that. It would be it would be worth for a big, maybe a, a monument episode. Maybe 250. Let's get saucy. Because... Uh, we just got a nice dose of vitamin BKV, so not anytime soon. But the next time you're needing a BKV booster, <laughs> I would totally suggest this book. Brilliantly unique plot, made even better by BKV's great attention to character development. Uh, real quick, I bought the entirety of Why the Last Man, I think, when Comicsology first um, released it in trades. And I read it all in, in one night. I was so enthralled by the story. Uh, Dragon Ball. Uh, been a while since you last dipped into the manga well. And the next time you do, I highly suggest Dragon Ball. This book has it all. Humor, action, great story, amazing art. Well, hopefully the show goes off without any problems. If not, please be sure not to interrupt. Come sail away this time, Jonesy. 
maybe my biggest faux pas ever committed on this show. Uh, Dale just trying to pull the razor blades uh, mm-hmm. vertically up his arms and just mm-hmm. float away into the white light to come sail away. And I tried to chat over it and, you know, to everyone's chagrin, I think. Top five bananas could be my favorite letter writer as far as uh, bringing up the inside funny stuff of the show. He does a very good job of integrating that into his letters, and I love him for it. Top and five bananas. And he doesn't tweet. He, t- he only tweets panel pictures, panels of comics, which is very soothing. Mm. I give you, I bequeath you the moniker, the callback king. Mm-mm. Man, top five bananas. There you go. There you top have five. It. You hear that? I mean, that's something right there. Uh, also, please remember, I'm not a voting member of Paper Cake, so this decision could be unmade for me at any moment. So enjoy it while you can. Jonesy, we have any more uh, letters this week? Uh, or? Nothing hot off the wire, brah. Uh, you know, if you uh, remember, drop us a, a review on uh, this this little thing called iTunes. Or if you're feeling saucy, visit our Patreon page where you can uh, uh, view my horrible weekly newsletter. It's a pretty good newsletter. Tad short at times, but you know what? Guy writes it on the... Guy types it in the middle of a work day on Friday. Absolutely, most of the time it's in the hub, sometimes on the back of a mule. You know, whatever I can do to get it done for you guys. Right. Sometimes he'll uh, hop on the back of the uh, forklift and he'll have the driver drive, make a few laps of the hub so he can uh, get get it typed in. It's much like the credits for Laverne and Shirley when I'm getting the newsletter done. Anyway, uh, barring any uh, unforeseen uh, super special guest hosts inviting themselves on, Jonesy and I will be back next week as Slim will be uh, uh, falling back in love with his wife in Paris, France on a nice vacation after Anglem and the comic show that it provides. We'll see you guys next week. You picked this song out for me? Aw. It's two buddies, you know? Best Jonesy. I think if I were a Japanese fruit food Cayman rider, I'd be like those little Entenmann's cookies. And then the cookie, the chocolate chip would bake on my head. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the cookie armor would come out. And instead of a weapon, I would throw chocolate chips, maybe rapid fire at somebody. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, funnily, weirdly enough, when the chocolate chip draped over you to armor you, it would make the biggest juiciest splashing sound yeah even though it's a, a chocolate chip and doesn't really splash 
and a little uh, voice would say, Octon! So, for some reason yeah. that I have yet to discover. We've uh, we stretch a sucker out. I mean, we're at fifty two minutes here, Jonesy. We were we were a little trepidatious that maybe we couldn't hang for the full hour without our illustrious leader. But there was a lot of meat in when, uh, uh, Secret Wars. When Slim goes to download this, he's going to be like fifty five minutes. What on earth could they have been talking about for fifty five minutes? This must be the backup audio, or that's not Slim's voice, but the, you know, some sarcastic comment. <laughs> Right, you know, where he does a thing where he's frustrated and he shifts his hat forward and back on his head like a billion times. Doesn't say anything and just does that. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's real. So, what else is going on in the life of Dillers Gray? Are you watching any TV? Do you do you ever watch the CW shows like Arrow or Flash? You know, I've never watched those shows ever. I just haven't uh, gave it a chance. I um, I'll tell you what I have been watching with my wife. Any TV I get to watch anymore is with my wife, so it's got to be common ground. The uh, new girl is back for one. God, I love that show. It's Brooklyn Nine Nine, also a fabulous show that comes on right before that. The um. I brought it up earlier, but it was, uh, you know, based on a, what I'm listening to. But on MTV, of all places, there is a show called The Shannara Chronicles that was released. And it's interesting. It's very MTV, very CW with beautiful people. But it is, uh, it, Jonesy, I'd, re- I'd recommend checking it out. I think it's on demand, definitely on demand. I think the first episode is free on Amazon. You know, I flirted with MTV a while ago, uh, and maybe I did talk about this on the show, but the first season of Teen Wolf, mm. uh, you know, which is not based on the Michael Michael J. Fox movie, but is kind of like uh, a band of werewolves is in, I want to say like some Pacific Northwest town and how these two best friends navigate the world. It was executive produced and directed by Russell uh, Mulcahy, which, who directed Highlander. Oh, wow. And he did this first se- season of Team Wolf, and I thought, uh, my wife and I actually watched it together. We thought it was, uh, hmm. she'll say it was terrible, but we thought it was pretty, I mean, a very humorous show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second season was so bad that we, oh, wow. We we just were like, okay, we can't do this anymore. It just got too convoluted in its own mythology. Oh, okay. I think, so I think like the first, the second, the first half of season two was good, and then it got mm-hmm. a little too heady for like a a teen rom com slash mm-hmm. werewolf show. Uh, but Russell McKay, he directed. Hi- I mean, he directed Highlander. How could I not watch it? Yeah, you had to give it a chance. Uh, I'm interested in this. Uh, so I'm gonna check out the Legend of Shannara. Was that did I say that right? Uh, this Shannara Chronicles. What's the 30 second elevator pitch? Um. Oh. The fantastical races that you know and love from D and D exist on a on a planet Earth thousands of years after humans and their technology have gone away. Wow, that sounds amazing. Everything's reverted back to uh, older times, but instead of science, there's magic. I think I'll give it a shot based on the elevator pitch. It's worth it. Like, uh, I mean, John, John Reese Davies is in it. Oh, but I'm in. I mean, Gimli, I, son of Gloin. Yeah, I knew. I knew you would be sold on that. Yeah, um, it, it's a little hanging fruit with me with that kind of stuff, you know. But like you know, you got to take it with the greatest salt. Like I said, it is MTV, so there's beautiful people, and they're uh, they're oh, constantly like the drama of them. 
being boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, but and every uh, check it out. Every commercial break ends on a cliffhanger type yeah. of scenario. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you know that the other DC show dropped Legends of Tomorrow. Have you heard about this? I've heard about it. Yeah, did you check it out? No, and I really had no um, really desire to, but I caught a Brandon Ruth interview. And uh, apparently the premise is, and I, I guess spoilers, I'm not going to watch it. So if you're going to watch it, don't listen to what I have to say about it. Because I think what I'm saying is a spoiler, but I'm not 100% sure. So the, the premise is a character called Rip Hunter, who I'm not familiar with. I think Slim talked about him in a throwback book. He did, actually, yeah. So he's a time traveler, and he gathers like the Adam, who's Brandon Ruth's character. Uh, and some of some of the characters made famous by the CW shows. And I guess he says to them all, you know, you guys are going to be legends in the future and I need your help to stop uh, Vandal Savage and we're going to, you know, time travel and, and fight him in all these time errors, which will set up a cool show. I mean, you could tell basically any kind of story. And I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm really sold on that premise. I mean, this is kind of like a poor man's Justice League or JSA or whatever. And then Brandon Ruth is like, well, pretty much it flips. Uh, the Rip Hunter comes back and says, the only reason I picked you schlubs is because your de- uh, deaths have no impact on the timeline. You are absolutely 100% expendable. Mm. And it's all about those characters, I guess, coming to grips with that fact and then trying to make their lives matter, which I thought is a much better premise than I originally thought. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. But, mm. you know, Brandon Ruth is one of those guys that, like, I like as soon as I he's not in front of me i forget that he exists mm-hmm. but very super compelling interview uh with uh slim's arch nemesis kevin smith uh he did uh an interview with him that i actually found really fascinating about this kid from iowa and his career goals to become superman so if you're into that sort of thing check it out <laughs> but uh like i said i don't think i'll be watching but i, I thought the premise was pretty neat I guess That's that was cool. a pointless story that doesn't end up resolving me to watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel bad I never watched a single episode of Supergirl, and that's getting, what I, from what I understand, rave reviews. Yeah, that's what I hear, too. I mean, uh, you know, I just, as a father of two, Jonesy, you know. You, yeah, you have to make choices, and I would much rather watch The Leftovers with my wife because mm-hmm. we'll both watch it together and have a conversation that I would rather sacrifice what little sleep I get to watch Supergirl right. or Legends of Tomorrow or the other 40 shows that I should be watching right now. And that's, this, is, this is taking a depressing turn. Maybe we should just end it. Let's just end uh, it. Let's just end it. Let's just end it.